the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. A little bit celebratory there. We're a little over the top, I think, Stace. Hi, everyone. Good to have you along with us tonight. Thank you for tuning in, for being a part of the Bible Live broadcast this evening. We're glad that you uh, allow us to be a part of your evening as well. And uh, what an evening it is. I mean, the fog and the cold. and um, Mm. I guess this is what passes for winter down here in South Texas. Um, Thank you, John. And we are... I guess in the throes of winter. <laughs> and this is it. Every time I talk to, uh, for example, uh, some of the trainees uh, that we work with during the week at Lackland, they come from over all around the country, and some of them really have a winter. I mean, they know what you know, foot, two feet of snow. When they talk about 40 degrees, they're not talking about above zero. They're talking about below, you know, and that <laughs> sort of thing. So when I joke about this is what passes for winter here in South Texas, it always gets a pretty good chuckle because they, uh, some of them have been places where there is a real winter. I have too, I guess. I w- grew up in West Texas in the Panhandle, and mm-hmm. we knew too what yeah. cold was like and so on. But not you. You're kind of spoiled. You, San Antonio. Well, we. Well, you Amarillo our- born, of course. Mm-hmm. But- and every. Christmas, we would go up to Amarillo, mm-hmm. so it was usually a white Christmas. That's right, and the, the wind blew you down to San Antonio pretty quick. <laughs> you were, you were Amarillo by morning up from San Antonio, <laughs> I, I claimed that from George Strait. That yeah, song was about me. <laughs> Amarillo by morning, and well, you would say San Antonio by morning. Yeah, you made the opposite details, trip. details. <laughs> what? Well, you got to change the whole lyrics. Yeah, yeah okay. you got to change Hey, well, you know. <laughs> Are you? No. Oh, well. The sun. Me. So Got it. Up from San Antonio. So I guess we'll yeah, have to. You, <laughs> maybe you can make the sequel to that song and you'll be as successful as that one was. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I guess we ought to get back, get to the Bible here. That's our focus tonight. I want to put a little bit of a shout out to my grandson. He's Yay. nine years old today, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's he's growing up, a uh, young man already. It. It's, nine years. You know, I forgot what it's like to be so young and so, and yet he already it's that 
it's that change from being, uh, you know, you go baby and then a toddler and then, boy. you know, five, six, a little boy. And, and all of a sudden he's approaching that, you know, just that time. Yes, it's true. Uh, I know, I know. It goes so fast, doesn't it? Yes, but so anyway, happy birthday, Will. Happy birthday, we Will. You. We mm. are proud of you. And uh, keep on growing. And he'll join us here on the Bible Live one of these days and help. Mm-hmm. He's already been a few times on with us to talk a little bit about things he's learned about the Bible and and, uh, and the God of the Bible. So uh, anyway, just wanted to tell him good night and happy birthday. And happy birthday to children and grandchildren everywhere. We'll just make a national there holiday of it. Well, it is a month that celebrates the That's course. true. The birth of all births. The it's birthday about of all a birth. Birth. It, yeah. It's about a Emmanuel. birth anyway. You might as well expand on it. <laughs> uh, of course, the f- firstborn of the twiceborn's birthday is uh, right far more crucial and vital. Than, yeah. But uh, We always, it's three weeks from today. Just mm-hmm. in That's case right. you're Will's, I always know that Will's birthday is exactly three, three weeks, weeks from Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, he's got, a, he's got a great month of December with all the birthday gifts <laughs> and in <laughs> the... <true. laughs> Christmas gifts and the New Year celebration. <laughs> it's a time uh, of celebration. Yeah, he did. He did good. Well, let's see what we've got. We have made our way at this early stage of our journey through the scriptures. We started in early November with the Book of Genesis, and we have read now all the Book of Genesis, and we're pretty much into all this week. All of our readings this past week: Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. All of our readings came from the book of Exodus. We uh, uh, invite you to join us on this journey through the scriptures every year. Uh, We go from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then we go to the book of Matthew in the New Testament. Then we come back, Numbers and Deuteronomy, and then we go back and pick up Mark, the second gospel in the New Testament. So we kind of alternate back and forth between the Old and New Testaments and just kind of make our way gradually uh through the entire bible in that in that uh in that kind of a pattern back and forth between the old and new and we've found out over the years that um it's just a really good uh good way to do it 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 makes sense of both it helps us to understand how the old testament contained the new testament concealed Mm -hmm. a little hidden a little not not as clear but the messiah the redeemer the redemptive plan of god the and so on. It, we, it makes the Old Testament. The Old Testament explains the background and what uh, and what the New Testament was all about. Mm-hmm. And the New Testament then, uh, what is it? That? Contains it the Old Testament. Contains the Old Revealed. Testament. Revealed. Mm-hmm. And so it makes they're, they're a match set. They go together beautifully and powerfully. And we we get a chance to to note that and see it very clearly as we make our way through the Bible in in, in this way. Alternating back and forth between the Old and New Testaments. Now, in the books of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus, uh, as we start off the year, uh, I like to, Stacy, and I and, and I, we were talking about it a little bit before. Is as long as we can, you know, you can't keep it up very long because you'll be going back and reviewing all the whole program would be taken up in review, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think at this early stage, it's good to kind of keep in mind that. The overall, the broader overall mm, purposes of God in creating humanity. And if Genesis is a book of the beginnings that it sets the stage for the redemptive plan of God to, to play out in human history over 
over centuries, over you know uh, millennia, in, in in fact. So uh, it, but it all the pieces are put in place, and the processes are put in place in the book of Genesis, early in the Bible, and we kind of walk it out. And it's pretty good to be able to track the Bible to the degree we can. Um, picking up on the major, the principal um, personalities, mm-hmm. the people that, that kind of mark, not that they're the most vital, but they help us think through the biblical uh, narrative and, and the people and the major events. Mm-hmm. So um, you want to start us out? <laughs> Let, let's talk well, uh, to where we are now <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> And now you, Dad, take over. <laughs> no, not that easy, kiddo. Let's see how you do. How how would you, if you think kind of through the Bible, what comes to your mind? Just And, and we want our listeners to, hopefully our listeners might be able to do this as well, think through and right. and kind of see the flow. Right. Well, I, I think uh, the initial is that God spoke. Uh, he made the first, he was the first action, and he created. And let there, let be, there be light. light. And, mm-hmm. and what he created was good, and it was intimate, and it was, um, it was a relationship. It was communion, communion it was um, oneness, it was, uh, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And uh, then sin entered into the picture and uh and adam and eve um mm-hmm. broke away they broke away from god there was they did there was disobedience and so that unity that oneness was fractured the relationship was compromised there was no longer um <laughs> the you know the, there was no longer holiness on the part of humans and so they could not enter into the presence of a holy god without there being uh, it mm-hmm. being detrimental, mm-hmm. which was sad, and, uh, but God had a plan, and there was always a plan. He was He was going to make provision. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do away with sin, but not destroy destroy the sin, but not destroy His creation. And so, how then mm. was that going to happen? Um, you might mention here, I, I, and don't worry, I'm not. I don't want to interrupt your flow of thought, but. <laughs> There was another character here early on mm-hmm. in this this angelic being mm-hmm. right. who played a part in the garden oh, and right. so on. Yes. Uh, and evidently um, a part that by design. I right. mean, that God allowed, allowed this mm-hmm. and this was part of his ultimate design for the whole for the whole narrative. Uh, it wasn't God up in heaven responding, and go, oh, no, they sinned. What am I going to do now? You know, <laughs> right. it was that the, the whole plan he understood and knew the plan. The, uh, he created the whole, mm-hmm. all the pieces and the pro, the rules of the game. He created them, and every choice that we make uh, in this in this, we can't make a choice that lies outside of God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. All of the options that human beings have flow out of what the Creator, the the options in the in the setting that the creator has has made so um but, and so there there was this the, there was this angelic being who even today Satan. still continues to play a part uh lucifer the archangel who who had fallen from uh god's presence because of pride and and 
sin found in him and he and a third of the angels. Uh, whatever this means, and, and of course we're talking about the spiritual world and mm-hmm. mentioned that uh, I'm not quite sure how that works, but they were cast from God's presence mm-hmm. uh, in glory mm-hmm. and their influence and their uh, presence limited in their influence limited to somehow to this earthly sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and he began to play a part early in deceiving Adam and Eve, even then and then bringing Adam and Eve to a point of not trusting God and not obeying. And then of course he got Cain and Abel and the sin principle became implanted in the right. human race. Yeah. Uh, the sin nature, the tendency to, of selfishness, irrevocable, irreplaceable. Irresistible. How, how is it called? I forgot what I said. <laughs> uh, uh, irresistible, irrevocable tendency, tendency to selfishness sin and, and selfishness. sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was there. And then that kind of explains the, the things you got up to right. you know, Adam and Eve, and then Cain and Abel, then we got, and then we moved to mm-hmm. quickly to. Uh, Noah. Noah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, yeah, so they, ha- I always like your term that they moved in lockstep towards mm-hmm. uh, destruction. Yeah. And it went quickly. And yeah. there was just evil, and God decided to start mm-hmm. almost completely over, uh, save Noah and his family, Ark. Uh, and then. Uh, Isn't that interesting? I mean, I mean, when you think about it in this broad sense. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. It does give you the impression that you know God made a mistake. I, I mean, that's right. kind of what right. you. We can't talk a little too much about well, Noah without the idea it, that well, you know, he, it, it even said he he. Uh, it went south. You know, his plan well, didn't work. Yeah, and even the wording it does. Uh, he regretted. It mm-hmm. almost sounds I mean, mm-hmm. right. The scripture says it's like he regretted what he had created. And it is a strange sentiment. Like, how do you? Mm-hmm, that's yeah. a hard thing to. But it seems clear through. that the, the. I mean, you know, I learned. I, I, Stacy, some years I don't know when it was. I was going through my own theological struggles that we all do. Uh, every every believer, every follower of Christ, everyone who seeks God, loves. They go through a process of wrestling with God. You know, I think we all do. And in my years of kind of wrestling with God and trying to, what, who is God? What is God like? What is His plan? What it, it uh, early on as you're kind of beginning to formulate your your thoughts about God's attributes and what He's like and so on, and you come against these these situations where you're tempted to to somehow limit. God's sovereignty or his understanding or that, you know, God made a mistake. So now he has to go back and change. He's responding to us instead of. And I remember making a conscious choice at one time thinking, okay, if I got to choose one side or the other of, of this, of this um, problem, this difficulty, mm-hmm. I, do I either, I either going to compromise God's sovereignty or in some ways, I'm going to limit or compromise the extent of man's free will. Right. And I just decided in my mind, uh, if of the two, if I have to compromise one of them, it's it's going to be man's free will. In other words, mm-hmm. the we do have free will, mm-hmm. and we do have a real, we do make real decisions in the sphere of our existence here on planet Earth, and even spiritual decisions, but. 
we they are not it's not an absolute our free, our free will is not an absolute free will it is limited to the options that God in his sovereignty has created for us and so yes God is the author of in that sense of every every alternative we have and so and you were talking this, about this earlier and we can maybe uh, you you said something about Pharaoh. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, so we're, we're in the book of Exodus, and you said that you know one problem that a lot of people have is this expression in the Bible that says that God hardens Pharaoh's heart, mm-hmm. and people have well, wow, that didn't make sense. you know mean. In other words, Pharaoh didn't make a choice; he didn't have a decision. Right. God just made him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and sometimes people say the same thing about Judas, or others. You know, mm-hmm. as you make your way through the scriptures. There's this tendency to to interpret that saying that God hardened his heart uh, in that way. And so I, I guess to me that kind of ties in because I, I decided, okay, God's sovereignty is absolute. I'm not going to compromise that. There's no way that he's not totally, absolutely omnipotent and sovereign and in in charge of every single detail of our human existence and choices and that he has created all the options he has ultimately he has created both heaven and hell both are part of god's design and plan there is going to be a place for those who love him seek him desire him uh, and trust him there's and there's going to be a place in an existence a state of being for those who do not and he is has created that that that's both of them, and he is in a sense the author and the um responsible for both so when we talk about God um hardening pharaoh's heart it, it, it it's not a question of did God harden his heart or did Pharaoh harden his heart it's both mm-hmm. Pharaoh made a choice. I always, it's always sneaky when you do yeah, that. Yeah, that, your your, <laughs> yeah, like, your well. grandson is really good at that. I tell, really good at that. <laughs> and, he, and he, you say, well, Will, would you like uh, chocolate ice cream or vanilla? Both. Both. <laughs> always. always. Yep. He and he started off early with that tendency. Mm-hmm. He's a smart young man. <laughs> but uh, but that that's the whole idea is that um, they are both in play. One is his sovereignty, though, is absolute. In total, where our free will is conditioned upon the options that God, in His sovereignty, gives us, mm-hmm. and, uh, and He does give human beings the, the opportunity and the the, the unspeakable uh, freedom to reject Him. Mm-hmm. And of course, that is necessary if what He desires from us is a love relationship. It has to be a, a relationship of mutual choice. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, anyway, I, I, I got off on that, and I promised you I wouldn't, didn't I? I, I, <laughs> I, right. I, I say this too much, but I think it's <laughs> it it's one of those, it's kind of a theology or Bible 401. I mean, it's a graduate level of thought because... Right. No, it is. That's always one of the, you know, when I come to, uh, I know a lot of, some of the major, um, you know, how can bad things happen to uh, how can bad things happen to with, with a good that's kind of a, one of those major questions bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people why right. is that where is that and you know? that one's not i i am able to mm-hmm. wrap my head more around that and i've made peace with that one mm-hmm. the one that is always 
And I can't say I'm, I mean, I'm at peace with this, but that is the, the, the one that's hardest for me is man's free will, God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And where does that, and I have had to just be comfortable uh-huh. with what you, you know, how well, you put it. That classically it is and traditionally, I think that is one of the that great, not obstacle, but one of the great challenges is for us to understand. To kind of get comfortable with and to yeah. understand and to, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, yes, I, I think sometimes uh, because of, and maybe there's something in this, but God hardening, that idea of God regretting something, so regretting mm-hmm. having making, made man, or um, hardened Pharaoh's heart, or um, kind of has a, or, or regretted Saul, making king, Saul yeah, king was yeah, kind exactly. of another example. Or, mm-hmm. And, and the, there are others, like mm-hmm. in those occasions when it seems like, well, there's even a point in time when when he tells Moses, and, and we'll talk about that soon here in the book of Exodus. Mm-hmm. He says, Moses, I I messed up. I'm going to wipe these people out, and I'm going to start all over and, with you. Right, and then Moses says, no, 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 <laughs> oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you promised. Yeah, yeah, yeah you promised. Yeah. And uh, that is so what was that all about? Yeah, you know, it, was, it is. It's interesting, and it's. I think it's... Um, I mean, apart from maybe deeply understanding it or, or trying to really uh, understand, it is um, in Scripture, a lot of times the context and some of the commentary is often just it broke his heart. Sure. So as far as the regret and the sorrow, it's not so much a, oh, I wish I hadn't. It's a, I regret because this has to be done now. And mm-hmm. this is the hard part. Yeah. This is the part that and it reminds me of, you know, when you... When you punish, when you have to give your child, your child a, yeah. exactly, um, I regret. I'm sorry. I have to do this. It has mm-hmm. to be done. I don't regret mm-hmm. that I'm doing it, but it's breaking my heart. I mm-hmm. don't enjoy this. This is not the. This is not the fun mm-hmm. part. Um, Maybe that's the holiness, justice part mm-hmm. of God's character. But it has to be in done. the clash with His mm-hmm. love, and know, it but, has to be done mm-hmm. ultimately and always for the purpose of bringing about right. his will and his good purposes for those that are seeking him and mm-hmm. desire him and that are Godward, like mm-hmm. you said. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to kind of break down, you know, the, yeah. and ultimately what we're seeing in Genesis is the very early the beginnings of, the, of, a, of people dividing out between Godward and selfward. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and That's the way Paul we, puts it in, mm-hmm. in the book of Romans, that the great divide there is between those who are Godward, God-seeking, any he gives some characteristics of them. Uh, they want righteousness. They're seeking righteousness, mm-hmm. immortality, and there's one other characteristic there in in Romans that he talks about. And then those who are selfward. And uh, uh, it, it, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is very interesting. But I did, I made that decision. Okay, it, I'm not going to compromise God's character, His attributes, His sovereignty. I'll I'll confirm that even if I can't make even though if even if I can't reconcile them, and clearly get my like you say wrap my head around it, I'm not going to compromise the the attributes of God. And and once I started doing that, I did come to to a real peace about that understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so then so uh, let's see we've got one minute before our first break. We go from. Uh, 
uh, Noah, and then uh, Noah and his family come off the ark. We very quickly, though, again, kind of into mm-hmm. uh, step towards destruction. <laughs> yep. And uh, God says, well, this time I'm going to mix the languages. They're building Babel, mix the languages. And that at least develops, creates these people groups that mm-hmm. are competitive and then that slows, it mitigates the evil. Uh, and then we get into where are we? And immediately it turns from the whole human mm-hmm. race and the entire population and so on to, to that. Play, it goes down to a man and his wife, a man. Abram and Sarai. That's right, right. And he begins working now on the details, uh, even at that point, of how we're going to bring this Redeemer. Right. He'd already promised a Messiah right. in Genesis 3.15. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send a man, a male of the human uh, race, he is going to undo this damage that Satan has done, undo the works of Satan. He's going to purchase the redemption and and bring reconciliation, allow men and women to once more be brought into right relationship with himself. And so now we see Abram, sorry, in his beginning. Okay, here's how it's a process of bringing the Redeemer into the world. Uh, and it, it's a long-term plan. It's not short-term. Um, the the work and the reality of his redemptive plan was effective even for Old Testament people. Everyone who ultimately makes it to heaven, whether Old Testament or New Testament, pre-Messianic or, or, or post-Messianic, everyone who gets to heaven eventually will be there because of the redemptive plan of God, and meaning because of Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Jesus, the, the Christ. Yeah. Uh, he's their Savior as much as, as he's the only Savior, yeah. the only re- plan, the only Mm, solution to the problem of sin for humanity. Uh, they they trusted in the future sins and the Messiah. We trust in the past. Uh, we we know who he was and we look back at him. But that's it. And so that does kind of set the stage. Now we we got through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And remember his son Joseph was down in Egypt, and we left him. The, the end of Genesis was uh, in a coffin in Egypt, and that was. Uh, uh, Joseph and then his, uh, Jacob. And now we come into Exodus and we're going to see they've been in Egypt 400 years as was predicted by uh, God back in Genesis chapter 15. I guess it is. I think it is. And 400 years there. And now the book of Exodus is about coming out, mm-hmm. exiting, coming out of bondage in slavery in Egypt. So we'll pick up there when we come back. We did it. We made it in our first segment. We kind of caught up where we were, and we want folks to be able to think through the uh, biblical narrative and uh, kind of from the high points and the, 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 the outstanding personalities that we, that we read as we read through the scriptures. Don't go away, folks. We'll be back, and we'll get into more detail now about this new step this new development as we see God working now to bring the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. The Bible Live will continue. Don't go away.
listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free. All right. So take my hand. Very good. Pat Boone did this land 50 years ago, I think, somewhere around there. And walk this lovely land All right. We are back. We're looking at the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. We've covered and completed uh, the narrative that we followed from creation in the book of Genesis, from the garden to uh, a coffin in Egypt. Yeah, that's, that's typically the way folks in seminary, that's the way the professor will uh, talk about the book of Genesis. It began in a garden and ends in a coffin in Egypt. And uh, that's what we've done. Now we've come to the book of Exodus and the saga, the uh, the adventure continues. God is uh, at work still, uh, carrying out His redemptive plan for humanity, and taking uh, significant steps all the way, and revealing Himself to human beings and giving them each and every one the opportunity to know Him, to call out to Him, to seek Him, and to be made right with God in a right relationship with Him. And it's all of that is based on the work of the Redeemer, the work of the the Atonement Lamb. Mm-hmm. The, and, and we're going to get pictures of that all along the way. We've already seen uh, pictures of that in the book of uh, Genesis. We've seen the um, Abraham seeking uh, a sacrifice. You know, who who will give us a, a lamb for the sacrifice? Isaac asked, and God said, God will provide the lamb. Mm-hmm. And so, so many times, we picture this of, of his plan and that, that God himself is going to prepare the means by which humanity, the human beings, can be reconciled to him and through the Redeemer, through the Messiah, as he is called, all through the, the Old Testament scriptures. So anyway, we've come now to the book of Exodus. We introduced it, as you said, Stacy. We introduced the book of Exodus last week in in terms of its authorship. Uh, according to the text itself, is the author uh, was indeed Moses. <clears throat> um, 
primarily written, I guess you might say, at that time. Uh, this is the time when the people of Israel had already come out of Egypt. They had camped at the base of Mount Sinai for a little over a year, I believe it is. And then they began their northward journey. They were to go into into the promised land that, that uh, he had promised to Abraham and his descendants centuries before. And but they failed that at first attempt. We'll read about it as we go, move forward. Uh, and so they were um, they were made to, to wander in the wilderness there in the desert, the Sinai Desert there, for forty years. And it was during that period, uh, it's thought uh, and believed that Moses wrote the first five books: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. <clears throat> the last book, Deuteronomy, being a, a, a uh, 30-day sermon, actually, that he presented to the people as they waited on the eastern side of the Jordan River before uh, before being led by uh, Joshua. <laughs> I get it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I looked at Stacy and she goes, Ooh, uh, where are you? What are you talking about? Led by Joshua into that promised land to... Um, complete that promise that God had made to Abraham and his descendants. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, of course. But uh, right now we're making this transition now. It, 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 it's not a whole lot of transition, I don't think, between Genesis and Exodus. It's, right. We skipped the 400 years of, in great detail of what happened in each generation and so on. 400 years went by, 430, I believe it is, exactly. And... Uh, so they're they're there. They entered Egypt as honored guests mm-hmm. uh, uh, because Joseph had been in a place of favor with the Pharaoh at that mm-hmm. time, and so they came and they were given the land of Goshen. You know, they could they could pasture their their flocks and I, so on. Yeah, I think it's really an interesting, uh, great song choice that it, the just the interest of land the emphasis on. Mm-hmm. Land, and not that the land, but land is a part of the redemptive plan. That is, Um, and and how so much of the story does center around not just uh, redeeming the a people, but even their work and their. their their work and their uh, well I guess their work of the land their lives their whole the whole yeah everything not all, yeah. and everything that they touch and everything that they, and it is interesting that so much of I mean they go from a garden to and then a coffin in Egypt and slavery then to and slavery bondage slavery in Egypt uh, and bondage and I mean just can you imagine those the the curse <laughs> talk about those curses. Or, you know, mm-hmm. being worked through and lived in. It will be pain and childbirth. And here the Pharaoh is saying that their firstborns need to be killed. Mm-hmm. So not only is it painful to give birth, but I mean, their yeah. children are being taken from them and killed. And then that'll be hard to work the land. Oh, my goodness. Talk yeah. about hard to So they're really seeing Couldn't own the it. land, but you can work it. Right. And <laughs> yeah. they're really seeing and experiencing mm-hmm. This the fallen, I guess the fallen situation. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, Stace. That's a good thought. Is that the the, the land? Uh, I think one of the things the scriptures even mention is the fact that that they would cease their wandering. They mm-hmm. they live in tents. They live in ta- everything is mm-hmm. temporary. Everything mm-hmm. is 
just now they check. live in the land, you know, milk okay. and honey, and they right. they have cities and towns, and they can set. They belong, and they uh, it, that contrast is right. highlighted. And of course, essentially, biblically or spiritually, that's what God is doing too. We right. Right. Uh, tr- just as true Israel, the truest understanding of Israel is. Uh, in terms of a people, is not uh, an ethnic or right. or, or genetic group, mm-hmm. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and their children and descendants, genetically, but the truest meaning, although that is a meaning because it's part of the the way the redemptive right. plan is rolled out, mm-hmm. but the truest meaning is that all the people of God, and I, and the truest meaning of Israel in the in the sense of land or or or. What it is setting or home yeah. is heaven. Exactly. That's God has yes. a land promised and to us as well. And it is a real land, yeah. just like it's a, a real heaven and a new heaven and a new and earth. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I just like Very to good. remember that yeah. um, part of it. This is uh, that we do have a home, and there is a permanence, and it is. Yeah. Being this world is not our home. Not. We're just mm-hmm. a passing through. Mm-hmm. Anyway. My treasures are laid <laughs> up somewhere beyond the blue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I just, I don't know, I, I, that was speaking to me. Yeah, don't, we got to be careful about getting too comfortable and feeling too much at home mm-hmm. here on planet Earth. I mean, it, God has designed it for us. There are pleasures, wonderful pleasures and things he has designed for us. And so, but this is not our home. Mm-hmm. Our home is in glory, uh, ultimately a city not made with hands, uh, mm-hmm. as we said in the mm-hmm. book of Revelation. Well, let's say um, we, we've gotten to that. We've had these 400 years. They've been down there. They're not honored guests anymore. They've become uh, not really a nation, although they have retained somewhat their identity as a people group. They still understand Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They understand their tribal, Mm -hmm. uh, how they, what tribe, what their ancestry in some measure. But they they have forgotten a great deal of the details of the redemptive plan, of their calling to be a unique people who worship the true and living God? You know, the, here they are. They're in a, a nation of uh, polytheists, the many gods, and we see that when we come to the uh, to the plagues that God each of, each of those plagues correspond to one of the false gods of Egypt, uh, as it turns out. And so they're living in the midst of idolatry and, and false gods, and they had kind of forgotten. The details of, of of their own existence as a people, what was to set them apart, the characteristic as it, that they would worship the true and living God, they would let a light shine, they would shine their light for Him, they would be, they would represent uh, the truth of, of the one God, the Creator God, uh, and live for Him, and that they would be as well. This is part of the Abrahamic covenant. Not only will they keep alive the vision. And the um, understanding of the one true God in a world of polytheism and idolatry and so on, they would also be used as a conduit, as a people group. They're going to they're going to remain. They're going to, uh, people groups through the centuries have come and gone. They, they've great empires have risen up and then they've been put down and you know they've disappeared. Many many over the years, the, the different dynasties disappear and the people groups change and so on and so on. Some even disappear entirely, but they, this people, this right. people uh, who worship God, the true living God, they follow, they have this revelation and so on, 
they continue like uh, well ultimately uh, up in, to the Messiah to, when the Messiah comes then this plan this redemptive plan in a serious way bursts out of its confines of the people group and of the land and this gospel of good news this this record of God's redemptive plan just explodes across the Roman Empire and now even in in, in year 2022 every nation every tribe every language group on planet earth there is a witness to and there are followers of Jesus uh, and worshipers of the true and living God in, in every country and every land around the world uh, is it, it's uh, in other words God's redemptive plan is much nearer <laughs> and of course it's an obvious it's an obvious thing to say but we're much closer to the completion of that redemptive plan than we were, you know, anywhere in the past. So uh, it, it's a wonderful thought. So anyway, that that's the big picture, the big picture. Now let's get down into some of the details about what happened and how they came out of Egypt. And this individual named Moses is born in, in chapter 2 of Exodus. Uh, it begins, book in chapter 1, it paints the picture of where they have got, where they have, uh, what they have become, a nation of of slaves in bondage. Uh, now Moses comes along. He has an unusual birth. I think you mentioned last week that we might take a look at some of the likenesses, the similarities between Moses as a, as a redeemer, uh, a picture of a, a redeemer or a messiah or a hero right. that delivers Egypt from bondage there some pictures of the the likenesses, the similarities between Moses' uh, earthly experience mm-hmm. and those of Jesus of Nazareth. Do you, you want to take off on that? Uh, I know you said that last week. Now, you <laughs> talked yourself into that Uh-oh. one. <laughs> Had a week to mm-hmm. think about. Well, uh, offhand, just his uh, birth and mm-hmm. the fact that the ruler of the time was had had a, had their number um, Herod, of course, wanting to kill all the firstborn um, males, and Jesus being one of those, and that they had had to flee to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Mary and Joseph did, and then Moses, Pharaoh, wanting to kill all the Hebrew boys, and uh, Moses's mother saving his life by putting him in the basket, um, and then and and fleeing to Egypt. Yeah, <laughs> I guess even though already in Egypt, um, and. Let's see, of course, um, just the deliverance factor. Uh, and then Jesus being a giver of the new, kind of the new law, Moses delivering the Ten Commandments and the uh, the law and the building of that people. Um, you know, I, uh, just to stick in there quickly, this, this point you made about uh, coming out of Egypt, that likeness, that is something that the New Testament picks up on because in the New Testament it actually quotes uh, the Old Testament passage where it said, "Out of Israel, out of Egypt, I have called my son," okay. and and of course that is quoted in the context of this. That was prophetic, talking about the Messiah. Okay. Not only was it the experience of Israel being mm-hmm. called out of mm-hmm. uh, right. Egypt, but in a bigger sense, it was a picture of God. And as you say, remember they had to flee from Herod. They went down. Evidently, um, it's thought that they lived on the very expensive gifts that the Magi had brought, mm-hmm. uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, that, that they were able to live on that 
uh, perhaps as they fled from the, the slaughter of the innocents mm. under Herod, the, uh, two years old and under, and then eventually came back from Egypt, out of, out of Egypt I have called my son, and they moved then not in Bethlehem, but they, moved, they lived in Nazareth. Uh, after that, but anyway, that, just wanted to kind of complete that thought because uh, it's picked on in the, it's picked up on in the scriptures themselves that that was that was indeed a a, oh, yeah. pro- a prophetic uh, a prediction of what would happen with the Messiah himself, mm-hmm. them being down in Egypt. Anyway, keep going because well, you're sure. doing. Great. Oh well, no, I think and probably the maybe the the most would be that both of their. Uh, lives. I mean, Moses had to go up against the powers that be mm-hmm. and kind of shake the world. <laughs> well, in a uh, sense, he had to leave leave a palace, mm-hmm, a, mm-hmm. a soft and wonderful oh, existence. Sure, that's right. Of course, he he, he identified with his people right. instead of with the right. living in the he palace. He was a yeah. prince of Egypt, and he left the palace. Uh, to be amongst the slaves mm-hmm. and then, to identify uh, with them, yeah, mm-hmm, and then fled and. Uh, and then he really was just sort of a want, and he, you would, for 40 years, right, he was out and uh, married Jethro's daughter mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. was just a shepherd, just a herdsman, and... He must have really liked that, I'm guessing. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow his first 40 years were in the palace of Egypt. Right. You know, that, that had to be not too shabby, I mean, I, I guess, in some ways. Uh, but somehow he knew, uh, he... Mm-hmm. He, isn't that interesting? He picked up on, on God and the people of his God. In, in the midst of all of that polytheism and right. idolatry and false gods, right. he, he must have known about it, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He chose mm-hmm. to identify with the God of you know his his people. That's it's an interesting cho- and choice. And you have to wonder if you know his own mother was the one that was able to nurse him when he was a baby, and you don't know how long that you know that might have been up until five, six, seven, eight. Oh, mamas and can be very evangelistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she can. Yeah. And uh, you know that she might not have been just mm-hmm. telling him his telling him mm-hmm. the truth of who he is and who God is yeah. and. Uh, that that just yeah. that 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 took that that then took that to came root. to a head mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the the situation mm-hmm. uh, he had to flee for his own life because he defended a, a, an a, a, an Israelite slave uh, being uh, harmed by an Egyptian soldier or keeper and then he had to flee for his own life out into the desert in the next forty years as you say. Uh, walking in that desert, the Sinai Desert. And, uh, and then he saw a bush. And then, <laughs> and then he, he saw, saw a, bush. a burning bush mm-hmm. that was not consumed. And take off the sandals and ground you standing on his holy ground. Isn't that a beautiful moment? And, uh, yeah, he uh, met... Uh, take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. The ground you're standing on. So he, he hears, he... He pleads. Uh, he pleads. You know, I can't do it. I don't, I'm not a good speaker. It reminds me of Samuel in a way. Later on, mm-hmm. Samuel says, "I'm too young." He says, "I can't speak. I'm not a public speaker." Uh, and you know, and God says, "Oh, you got a brother, Aaron. I'll put him to help you out a little bit." But you know, he. And then he stepped into the role. Mm-hmm. He, he he went back to that palace where he was a last, at last. Uh, 
in, in the last uh, uh, episode, he was a, uh, a man running for his life, and he was he was. Which you would think is a little bit strange, though, because you wouldn't think that a. I mean, if he's the prince of Egypt, I mean, he appears the. You kind of have to wonder why would he be in trouble for, who for for killing a slave driver. Uh, mm-hmm. But evidently, maybe, you know, maybe there is something we don't know. But um, oh, I've always thought. Oh, there's a whole lot we don't know <laughs> in terms of details. There's something and we don't know. Uh, right. So it doesn't. That it, seems it, a I'm not that too awful surprised by bit. the development, though. I mean, it it does seem conceivable that uh, if you saw the movie. Haven't you seen the movie? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, but it, uh, yes. there is a plausible plot here that <laughs> that you know he he maybe they knew that he had been gotten in that way and that and the, when he made this choice the uh, the right. powers that be said what well, that was the straw that was it oh yeah, pun intended <laughs> yeah right or the uh, lack of so anyway but he went back yes sorry and he confronts uh, the pharaoh and. Yes, and then um, we see that phrase over and again, that uh, Bear's heart, heart was hardened, yeah. and which can be a, a, a source of tension. You know, it's uncomfortable because, well, did Pharaoh make the, was Pharaoh on the brink of letting him go, but then God hardened his heart just to continue this process? Or, uh, and uh, no, I don't think so. Or, and yes, maybe. <laughs> Yes, well, no. look, look at Isaiah 55. Okay, let's do it. When we talk about Isaiah 55, I think I'll do this real quick. Okay. It's, it, it's, it likens the word. What is the purpose of God's word? The purpose of God's word is to reveal God, to tell us something about. And when he does that, when he reveals something of himself, the people to whom he reveals himself are responsible for their response to that. Now, Isaiah 55 begins, and it is a, it is a, uh, it talks about the rain, that God's word is like the rain that falls. Right. Now, usually when God's word is likened to an agricultural sort of a setting like that, it's usually the seed. Mm-hmm. They say, well, right. God's word, you're sowing the seed of God's mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, Isaiah is talking about uh, the rain itself is God's word. Okay. And it says God's word falls on on the ground, and whatever is in the ground, it causes it to grow. Right. right. So weeds sometimes it's sometimes it's wheat mm. and, and flowers and mm-hmm. things that are good and right and, good. and wanted. Right. Other times it's dandelions and and uh, sand burrs and right. weeds of all kinds. So, mm-hmm. but who's who's responsible for both of them? The rain. God's word. Mm-hmm. And, and he says it always, God's word always accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent out. What is that purpose? The purpose of God's word and revealing himself so is to, is to uh, uh, instigate, to promote a choice mm-hmm. that, that, men, that someone has to respond to it. Right, right. And that's what happens. The weeds grow up. And the and the and the right. wheat grows up. Nice. So the 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 point is is that right. again it's like I said God's word God is ult, he he's sovereign. Activate is yeah. that the word you were thinking of that God it, he it activates yeah. whatever. As God revealed Himself, mm-hmm. it made it caused 
Pharaoh in right. his pride and arrogance to re- to re- he resisted. Right, and to reveal what was and already so there. It, he was in his heart. Act, yeah, right. he, so his heart was hardened. Uh, he hardened it, and God it's it. clearly that if uh, God hadn't I done it, like it. if like God it. hadn't done the ten plagues, right, or, or if he hadn't told Moses, go and tell him, let my people it, go. That hardness could have just sat sat da- dormant, yeah. or yeah. could have just, uh, but right. This but, caused it to mm-hmm. to. Flare Revealed. up and be, mm-hmm. and so it, it's true in both cases. Yeah. He hardened Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. It, right. Again, that, that kind of both true. Well, we'll come back, and that well, let's let's t- go to the ten plagues themselves, the means by which God um, brought caused <laughs> Pharaoh to change his mind, I guess. And I, let's put out a question: If anyone would like to give us a call, two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. And what I want to ask you, folks, is from chapter seven of the book of Exodus, which two of the ten plagues that God released on the Egyptians, which two of those ten plagues were Pharaoh's sorcerers able to imitate? And maybe even a little bit of idea of why were they able to imitate those and maybe not some of the others, all right? Which two of the plagues were his uh, sorcerers able to imitate? Our phone number is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585, and we have uh, some great gifts and, and prizes for you if you'd like to call in and uh, give us a shot with this question or maybe some others that we'll put out there as well here on The Bible Live. Don't go away. Christmas, every pure heart is filled with a song that is praising the Savior for the glory and the blessing that has brightened our way since Jesus was born Christmas Day. Wonderful Counselor. Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, soon he is coming again, soon he is coming again. All right, I probably need to give this, John, you kind of wrote me into it. I'm going to have to let people know that we do have a number of what we call um, hmm, baptized <laughs> Christmas carols. We Yeah, we we remastered them and changed the lyrics to be Christ-centered and and uh, this was Silver Bells, of course. Uh, Every time you say that, by the way, it just I even know, I know that phrase. I know it's coming, but it's Baptized Christmas carols. <laughs> but it. anyway, if you'd like to go to the website, thebiblelive.com, you can find those. There are about five or six of them. And we'll be playing them here on the air of these uh, Sundays leading up to Christmas. But you can also download them and use them yourself at your Christmas gatherings and parties. Uh, you'll really enjoy them. They're, they are. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, and here comes Santa Claus. I mean, there's several of them, but they're all Christ-centered and, and uh, very encouraging. Christ-centered. All right, that's uh, we are back already now. <laughs> already finally and we are going to finish our last segment here we've got to move quickly stace don't we we got 
we, you know, we got into the background and talking about the big picture and so on. But we got to get some of these details now. Moses is born. He's 40 years in the palace, 40 years out in the wilderness. And as you said, he comes up to this uh, this burning bush that he is confronted with. And boy, I know that there's more to that than just the detail. Uh, you're walking along, long, walking along one day and there's this bush. And wow, that's interesting. There's a, and it's not consumed, you know. And there's got to be more to that and in, in the back, all the details of who he was and what he had become during this time. He married. He had children. His wife is Zipporah, a daughter of Jethro, out in out in the uh, in Jethro too, is a believer, a follower of the true and living God, and you know, and not not Jewish. He, he's a Midianite, mm-hmm. and so again, right off the bat, we see right. it's important to point out that that this is not all about a genetic group. It, right. It's the people of God. Well, anyway, so Moses sees this and he gets senses this call to go back to Egypt and let the people of God leave Egypt mm-hmm. because he's remembering we've been promised a land. We've been promised Canaan. Mm-hmm. He understands that. And and uh, God is calling on him to be the uh, the the, mm, the uh, tool, the instrument. Uh, in God's toolkit, he t- pulls out a Moses, and he says, "I'm going to use you to be to, to make this. I'm I'm going to make it happen." He does all the heavy lifting, but I'm going to use you as a tool to go back and provoke this and get it going. Now Moses goes back, and of course, uh, we see from the scriptures here that Pharaoh resists it. He doesn't want to do that. Uh, he uh, in his heart is hardened he hardens his heart and god uh, reveals more and more of himself and causes every every revelation that god gives him himself causes pharaoh to more and more dig in and harden his heart toward god and letting the people go and um so ultimately, then we come to these 10 plagues uh among other things uh the we uh, he, moses shows him evidence that god is with him and he throws down his staff, and it becomes a, a serpent, mm-hmm. and bl- turns right around. And sometimes it puzzles people that that the sorcerers, the or or the magicians, or the illusionists—we don't know what it was—but they were able somehow to reproduce that with their uh, staff as they taught, threw it down, and so on. So then uh, we begin in chapter four, the signs of the Lord's power. He begins with these plagues. There are ten of them. And we don't have time to go through the details of each one. They they do correspond to the name of a different god. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, of course, uh, you know, there are different names even for the god uh, of Israel, Elohim, uh, Yahweh, etc. But then these gods of Egypt, let me see. I'm going to try to find I have a list of them here mm-hmm. somewhere. Uh, and that they are... Each of these plagues that is released on them, uh, starting in chapter 7, there's uh, the the Nile River is turned to blood, uh, which I, I don't know. In your mind, you think, remember, just think of all the children, innocent children that were cast into that mountain no, uh, to kill the place of slaughter. And, and, of course, there are crocodiles in, in the Nile, famously. Uh, so it becomes uh, blood. Uh, uh, then there's the plague of frogs, 
and then gnats and flies and livestock and, and boils and hail and locusts and darkness and finally the death of the firstborn. Mm-hmm. And we asked the question, which two of the ten plagues that God released on the Egyptians were uh, Pharaoh's sorcerers able to imitate? And you'll find those in chapter 7 and chapter 8. Chapter 7, verse 22, and chapter 8, verse 7. Uh, those plagues are uh, reproduced by the uh, e- Egyptian sorcerers. And, and some people might ask, I mean... Why did God allow that? Why, why was that all about? And I don't know. <laughs> That's, I'm not afraid to say, I really don't know all that. But I do know one thing that uh, in 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 um, duplicating. They only made things worse. They only so. made things worse. It's like, okay, God says, if you want to help me, uh, turn more into blood. Uh, so they were those two plagues that they reproduced or imitated. It really didn't accomplish anything but make the the, the status worse uh, for the people of Egypt and, and uh, make make the uh, plague more uh, that much stronger. Um, so we see the ten plagues. They're related to these false gods of Egypt. Uh, they displayed God's the true and living God's power and authority uh, to uh, over all of the, these false gods. What else would you say about the plagues? You know, they kind of stand as they are. Each of them takes place, and Pharaoh says, okay, let them go. And, and his counselors are saying, let them go. Get them out of here so we can get. And so, he, and then he backs off of it. He says, okay, they can go. And then he says, no, they can't. He mm-hmm. says yes, and then he says no. You know, yeah. gives, it, gives in a little bit and then yeah. pulls it back. Yeah, in some ways it reminds me, and this is just some thoughts forming, so mm-hmm. patience, but... Uh, Reminds me of a lot of our our relationship with sin and just that struggle of allowing sin in and 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 then re- or rejecting it and pushing it out and oftentimes there's that is this God's voice or is this mine is this is and it's kind of that battle mm-hmm. that even happens within our own heart and our own minds sometimes. Um, reminds me of of a, and and oftentimes it is painful. It's a process. It's a, uh, a you know a coming out of something is mm-hmm. often. I mean, even mm-hmm. you thinking of even labor, you're giving birth, or yeah. any kind of, um, and you just see all of those uh, kind of same. It's difficult. Is this God? Who is God? Who is speaking? Who's the one that really is powerful? Who should we be afraid yeah. of? What should we be? Is this what God wants, is, or is it just what I want? Right. You know, or, right. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it's complicated. Isn't it's it? complicated. Yes, that's what I see the Exodus as, and and it's very human, human in that sense, yeah. and a little bit of a writhing. Um, I also see, you know, any time that there's going, there's a shakeup, and we even we even see this a little bit in our own, in our country today. Sometimes, whenever there's a big sort of something, or even in our world that shakes things up, there's a process of who who do we trust now when the when things are shaken? What do we trust? Where is God's voice in this? Who is what's of, and um, and I guess you know just the importance of being firm in your in the word and knowing who God is and not in the character of God um, and 
you know, knowing, uh, I, I think, I, I mean, primarily that, the character of God, who God is and his voice and what the ultimate plan is, that ultimate destination and what lines up with that. And so for for them, remind That's what I think Moses had a handle on. Right. Evidently, right. that was yes, I that was so. the saving uh, for him, factor. That's he, what he maybe he's on. a little shy. He's not a good speaker. But this, that, knows. and the other thing. But he does know who God is, and that God's re- plan involved these people. Let my people back, go. <laughs> yeah, in, in Canaan. Yes, and, right. And right. he had, and that evidently gave him courage and confidence right. to to do this. Although, uh, although uh, a little hesitantly, uh, particularly in the beginning. But boy, he. He grew into a powerful, strong uh, leader. Which is the way through things the process. Go. The more that we take those steps, the more that we do lean into. Okay, I I believe this is right, and this is right. The more and you God get comes aff- through. Uh-huh, the more you're affirmed in that, and slowly but surely, you are finding yourself released and out of bondage. And when you're 120 years old, you finally, <laughs> you're finally God just takes you home. Then you finally get to go home before seeing the wrong way. <laughs> Sorry. No. Anyway, well, that does seem he's a little he's, bit he's, kind he, of the pattern. He's, he's the ultimate promise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the true Israel, right? Yeah. Yeah, the, the real Israel. Well, so we see the plagues. They take place. And no one's called us yet. If you'd like to, we have some wonderful prizes for you. Uh, I'm not going to talk, take the time to describe them this morning, but they're very good. You will enjoy them. Uh, so which two of the ten plagues did God, that God released on the Egyptians, which two of the plagues were Pharaoh's um, sorcerers, magicians, or whatever you want to call them, which two of them were they able to imitate? They're found in chapter 7, verse 22, and chapter 8, verse 7. See, this is you know an open book exam. You can look in your own Bible and find it and give us a call. 210-340-9585. And while still living in Egypt, God gave the people of Israel, here they are, slaves living in their little sheds and shacks and hovels, God gave the Israelites instructions for an annual celebration of their deliverance from slavery in Egypt. What is that day of uh, commemoration, that, that celebratory day called? All right. It's found in Exodus chapter 12, uh, this special day of celebration that, that uh, becomes part of uh, their national experience as, as, a, as they leave Egypt and become a free people. And, I, uh, of course, um, a, a good friend of mine, a Jewish man, says, you know, that's, he, he, he turned me on to this, that what's one thing a slave does not need? Well, uh, a watch. Is that right? Oh, yes. A watch. Well, actually, it's a kind of a <laughs> form of a watch. A calendar. A calendar. That's right. a form. Yeah, yeah, form yeah, a form of a watch. A form of the word. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'll give you. Yeah. Play password a here. Watch, a but calendar. the idea is that right, slaves right. don't need. A, they're not the lord not of their, their lives. Own. They don't right. govern. The, they don't make decisions. They're told when to get up. What, what they're going to do. This and. And, There's and, no vacation and days. first thing God does is begin to give them a calendar. Aww. It's kind of a cute picture, isn't it? You know, sweet. Here's your holiday. Here's this past. And then 40 days after this, this. And, then this. Right. and, find, right. you know, and they get their own, right. their own calendar, their own uh, yearly uh, journey and so mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of an, a very interesting thought, I think. But uh, so what is that day of commemoration of their deliverance from slavery in Egypt called? Give us a call, 210-340-9585. Uh, 
Oh, gosh, there are a number of good questions here. I uh, want someone to call and win some of these prizes. We've mm-hmm. got to get them into people's hands. They're wonderful prizes. You can win these uh, tonight, and you can keep them for yourself, or you can wrap them up and give them to somebody you care about, someone you love. Because, uh, a beautiful version of the scripture called the the Warfighter Study Bible that we'll be uh, offering. And we also have a series of books called God Understands that we'll be giving to those who call in and, and answer the questions. So give it a shot here. Uh, here's another question for you. Uh, what did the Hebrew family do? They, they were instructed to do. What did they do that kept their children safe while God took the firstborn sons of the Egyptians in the 10th and final judgment, the final plague? What, what did the Hebrew families have to do that kept their children and their families safe from the angel of death that came over the land and took the firstborn of all these different families. What was it? That's found in uh, Exodus chapter 12 as well. So I've got three good questions there. They each have to do with the, the plagues, the, the, the ten. Uh, we talk about the first plague, and, uh, and then we talk about what is this commemoration event that they're called on to celebrate, uh, put on their calendar, and then to... Uh, what is what did they have to do to keep their firstborn children safe from the angel of death? Uh, give us a call, 210-340-9585. We'd love to give away one at least one of these wonderful prizes tonight. Okay, Stacy, where we go? After the uh finally what happens after the plagues, finally, uh uh Pharaoh's hard heart is softened. Uh Somehow, some way, and to some degree at least, and he lets them go. After God took his own son, uh, the Pharaoh's oldest son, was part of that judgment, the eldest son of the families across Egypt. And, and then we have the first celebration of that event we talked about, that someone's going to call in and give us the name of that event uh, in just a bit. So... Um, and, and, and there's a copy here of, of the the Hebrew calendar. It, uh, it had to be interesting. Is God begins the process of nation building here. He, already they're just, at this time they're just kind of a mob of slaves. They have a kind of a residual memory of their essential character. That what was the characteristic of them as a people group, and what were their their unique calling by God to 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 serve Him and to to worship Him alone and so on. They have a uh, a little bit of residual understanding, but not more now. They have to be rebuilt. They have to be reminded of their legacy, their heritage of faith. Uh, and and uh, that process begins. Even as they leave Egypt, they're, God is going to begin to reveal himself to them and teach them about mm-hmm. their God, the true and living God. And so they, they do come out of Egypt. And uh, let me see. First thing that happens to them is what? Uh <laughs> Pharaoh changes his mind again, right? And uh, so... Makes you think there might have been a... I don't know, never mind. <laughs> Interestingly, I've read, I read a study recently about that. They left, and then Pharaoh changed his mind. He sent his chariots and his army after them, and they got trapped between the river, uh, the Red Sea, the, the, the sea, mm-hmm. and these chariots, Pharaoh's army that are coming upon them. And someone mentioned to me, uh, you know, I'm still kind of uh, digesting this teaching that he said was that um, 
but that was by design. You know, it, it's, and, and I think it's so important to, a, a truth. A lot of the difficulties, the hardships that we face in life, uh, they're, not, they're not escaping God's plan for us. Some of the difficulties and struggles and challenges we face are, there. well, I don't know if you even say some. Uh, they're all ultimately by design, uh, they, and they have an upside they, they, to display God's greatness and his love for us and his power and to encourage us and to judge uh, those who might be in store for judgment. So, uh, But God cornered them there between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, uh, and God came through. He displayed his power in a marvelous way that... that astounded and amazed and was part of the transformation process in this mob of slaves to become a nation of people who follow and and trust God and obey God. Now, it wasn't instantaneous, and I guess God's work with us is not instantaneous either, right? That we sometimes, well, it does. It takes a lifetime of God working with us and molding us and shaping us and correcting us and teaching us. It's a complicated, as you said earlier, we're complicated Beings fearfully and wonderfully made, and it, for God to delicately but insistently transform and change us, uh, it, it it is a lifelong uh, challenge. It truly is uh, that process of sanctification. So now that's what's happening with the people of Israel. They're being transformed now from a nation, a mob of slaves, to a nation of people self-governing and. Following after true and living God. Well, let's go to our phones. We do have a phone call here. If I can click on the right button and get him up on here to talk with us, this is Franklin. Hi, Franklin. Good to hear from you. Hello, you fabulous dollars. And may I say that you are the treasure of my Sunday nights. Oh, you are God our treasure as well. I'll, get, I'll shoot it right back at you. Anyway, uh, well, let's see which of these. I bet you can well, answer all, I, all of these questions, I'm guessing. I can answer two of them, uh-huh. but I should leave some for somebody else to call in. I've got, uh, I've got lots of first, questions. <laughs> okay. okay, the first one I can answer is Passover. That was the holiday. That was it. Passover, when the uh-huh. angel of death passed over the people of Israel. He passed what, over, and he passed over yeah. for a good reason. And what was they the had to, uh, thing that they were instructed to do that caused the angel of death to pass over their homes. They had to take a lamb, a pure lamb, and they had to uh, sacrifice it and spread the blood on the lintels of the door, and they had to cook the lamb and eat the whole thing. There was not to be anything left the next day. That's right. Wow. It's very interesting, isn't it, that, that picture, that beautiful picture of substitutionary atonement, uh, yeah. Took uh, again. It's it's God. Even in the midst of this, He's revealing details about this is my plan of redemption for you. The, uh, someone is going to take your punishment that would deliver you from God's judgment. Well, while we're and while isn't we're, it wonderful yeah. that Jesus made it so that we don't have to do that anymore. That's right. Can you imagine the stench that must have been around the temple from yeah. all those thousands of animals that were slaughtered? Ugh. Uh, yeah. I guess so. Really they, bad. But have you ever gone to um, 
uh, uh, let's say the barbecue station or something. It smells pretty good. I like that <laughs> barbecue. Well, smell. yeah, well, that's when it's cooking. Yeah, yeah but but uh, yeah, this is a little bit different. And, yeah, you're exactly you know, right. Splashing the blood on the altar and everything like that. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I'm so glad we don't have to do that anymore. No, that is. Thank true. you, Jesus. Amen. That's another thing to thank. A lot of people don't thank Jesus for that, but I think we should really be grateful for oh, that. Without a doubt. But the yes. one that really got me, and I know they turned the Nile, the waters into blood, mm-hmm. but I can't think of the second one. I I don't think it was the frogs. That was your hint. Uh, it was the second one. That it was, was your, the frogs? It was the frogs. Oh, uh, the first wow. One. Isn't that interesting, <laughs> though, that the only the, the plagues that they could reproduce didn't accomplish anything but make the situation worse. I've always oh, thought, yeah. Lots I've always more thought frogs. that was funny. God does have a sense of humor, I think. Um, oh, he does. Uh, he wouldn't have created platypuses otherwise. <laughs> All right. Or, or Soapy Dollar, maybe, for that. Franklin, God bless you and Glad very, very merry nativity. Stay on okay? the line. I want to send you, you a, I want to send you a gift. Stay on the line, okay, please? Oh, bless your heart. Thank you. Well, that is it. Franklin closed our program out, and that's in a wonderful way. A good friend of the broadcast. I want you to become a friend of the broadcast, too. Call in. Spend some time with us here on The Bible Live. See you next Sunday. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.